latest from Scotston. This is Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors' official podcast. Hello and welcome back to Warriors Weekly. On this week's show, I am rejoined by Craig Wright, our communications assistant and resident Glasgow Warriors stats and historian. Craig, how are you? I'm all right. Uh, I'm getting a, a bigger title every week, which I'm quite happy with. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with week three. Yeah, and it's good, good to see uh, you're on video well. this How's week yourself? as well. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Good to see that you're on video. Last <laughs> week you were you were hiding your face. You said you had a face for radio uh, and you decided wow. not to switch the camera on. So it's nice to see that we're moving up in the world. We'll, uh, we'll go with that. We'll, uh, we'll go with that this week. And we are also joined this week by Club Centurion Pro 14 winner, James Eddy. James, how are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, crazy times at the moment, but I can't complain. Good, 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 good. So we're bringing you on this week. It's, it's quite nice we've actually got you on this week. It ties quite well into about four weeks ago we were chatting. Uh, it was myself, Xander and uh, Adam Ash, and we were sitting chatting away about previous jobs. And it came up that Xander used to work uh, helping out his grandfather loading prawns. And yeah. Ashley then told a story about how him, he had messaged you one night or one day asking about some fish. And I think he'd come down about half ten at night. Yeah. Was, was yeah, sitting away to you. <laughs> Yeah, I think Adam was doing a caveman diet or something. He said, look, I need X, Y, and Z or whatever. It was cod and haddock or something. So he texted me and I was actually on my way into work at the time. Um, this was just as the kind of, uh, kind of coronavirus was kind of kicking off. Uh, so he, he turned up into the, the warehouse and uh, I, I gave him some fish to fill his freezer. Um, he couldn't believe it. He's like, how do you work in this place? It absolutely stinks. I, I was, he, was <laughs> saying, he, was, he was saying he came home and had to just immediately have a shower. Yeah, see the last the, the crazy things I don't actually even smell it now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mental. You just kind of get used to it. But uh, yeah, he I think he ate well. I think it filled his freezer for about a month. The amount of stuff he took. <laughs> so, so do you want to tell the audience what it is that you do now? Obviously, you, you retired four years ago in twenty sixteen. If I'm right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we yeah I retired four years ago. So we um, family business for wholesale fish merchants. Uh, so we kind of supply hotels, restaurants, takeaways fishmongers and kind of we just started exporting well well this is uh, kicked off but then um, obviously certain aspects of the business is now closed down really with the exporting side of things hotels and restaurants uh, fishmongers and the kind of fast food chains uh, the chippies things mm-hmm. like that have been quite busy so which is quite good yeah and, and it's you 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 were saying just before we we started that you joined pretty much three days after you retired you joined the family pretty much, business yeah, a few just, days after been going I ever since. In, so yeah and I, I kind of it's been crazy because I kind of came into the business and kind of um, we didn't really do we only really did wholesale side of things so I kind of saw a kind of gap and well I kind of thought like let's do more hotels and restaurants we'll do more export and things like that so um, I kind of started the, kind of start that side of the business so it's it's been quite tough I mean until recently I was doing like a, six, a six day week every week um, which is pretty pretty tough, but uh, now I've kind of dropped down to a five day week, so it gives me more time with my family. That's not so a conscious decision to uh, to sort of go straight into it sort of three days after retiring, or was it a case of your your family going right, great, right, you hang up your boots, get into the yeah. get into the fish side of it? I kind of always knew that I was going to do it. Um, even when I was a young boy, um, I'd go and help my mum and uh, sorry, I'd go and help my dad in the market and things like that. Um, so I always kind of wanted to do it, and then as you get a bit older, um. You kind of you think about these things. It's when you get to like twenty six, and you're thinking, "Oh my, I've not got, I've not got long left." Um, so kind of, yeah, kind of at twenty six. I kind of I would go in and usually on Wednesday, depending what day the game would fall. Usually a Wednesday off, I'd go in a, a Wednesday night um, to the market. So yeah, kind of. But I mean, being honest with you, actually, I've really enjoyed the transition. Um, don't get me wrong, the hours are tough, like it's crazy. The body clock is mental. 
you know, I'm having um, I can I get up at ten o'clock at night and I'm having my breakfast almost. You know, it's uh, it's crazy to can get your body clock around the whole hours. So what are your hours? And I remember Ashley was saying as well that he was saying you were like ten till six, sleep for two hours, up again, see the family, back to bed, up mm-hmm. at four. So it's crazy. So I start like I'll get up about ten o'clock at night, mm-hmm. uh, and what will happen? I'll go go into the my my phone and my emails, and I'll check all the orders that have come in. So I'll put it all into like an Excel, do that, and then I can I'll drive to work pretty much, and then whilst I get to work, there'll be still more stuff coming through. Get to work, update the kind of order sheet, and then by then all the stuff that we've ordered will come from all the various. Uh, ports and harbours and things so a lot of stuff we get a lot of stuff from Peterhead Fraserburgh Kinloch uh, Bervie a lot of shellfish from Tarbor and things like that um, so do that and then um, literally I kind of help prep the stuff up do the orders price things up and then uh, the kind of language and delivery um, and then I'll kind of then head home uh, maybe I'll head home for about six in the morning and then I'll kind of do the office work and bits and pieces and then I'll try and get to my bed for a few hours and then I'll take my son and then I end up going to my bed about five o'clock, six o'clock at night and then back up at half ten the next day the same day. It's uh, it's crazy. That, that's madness. That's that's crazy. And I'm assuming do you have you must have buyers then around so for example you said Fraser Brown, Peter Head place that you have mm-hmm. buyers that then obviously just send fish down to you. You're not yeah, up so and down the what? length and breadth are you? Pretty much, yeah. So I've got um I've got one guy that kinda of goes out and picks up shellfish side of things, so he'll go up and go out and pick up prawns, lobsters, scallops, um from the kind of harbours. He goes out in a van um a couple of nights a week. But um I'll get phone calls throughout the day, uh, with people offering me good deals or whatever and things and and I kind of just I always working off my phone, my wife goes mental because my phone like constantly rings. Uh but it's it's part of the job which sadly you need to do. Um and I'll obviously in my job, like and the prices vary daily, so I kind of look at things like um, look at bank holidays, look at the weather, look at the market forecast. So I need to kind of buy right for me, so I can give my customers the best price and the kind of the best quality. <laughs> so you've you mentioned Dashi um, being a, a bit of a valued customer for you. We we've chatted before for uh, for Warrior, the, the club magazine. Um, I believe you you were a fairly handy person to throw in the in the changing room. Yeah, I could always get something for someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what stories I can say on this, but uh, there's a few funny ones. So, uh, anybody got a particular order that you can uh, um, remember? Guy Sila Profisi, he always had. Uh, he always he he liked his tuna. He had expensive taste tuna. Um, if I remember back when I first started, so I would have maybe been about eighteen or well nineteen twenty. I was an academy player. Um, John Petrie, I gave him some kippers. So John Petrie, obviously, is involved at Ulster now. He didn't really expect him to do this, but he cut the, the heads and the tails off the kippers and stashed them in Callum Forster's bag for like two weeks. So as you can imagine, <laughs> it was absolutely reeking. So, you know, I was giving guys uh, free fish and it ended up uh, stitching other uh, people up, which was quite funny. Another one was um, years and years ago, it was um, Gar- a guy called Gareth McClure. Um, and I was quite young and I gave the kit man Dougie Mills <laughs> I gave him like a, a monkfish um, and he'd threw it in the ice baths so as he jumped in this monkfish had kind of popped up out the, the top of the water and uh, gave him a bit of a give a fright but um, now nah, most of the boys would uh, buy bits and pieces off me and stuff like that And um, but yeah I've actually not really supplied the guys with much Lee Jones takes bits and pieces off me now and then 
And so I guess so you were the go-to man then for pranks. If anyone was planning anything, it was they were kind of coming to you. Years and years ago, I was kind of part of it. Um, Dougie Mills. Um, it was kind Crazy, of, yeah. Yeah, it was led by kind of Donny McFadden and things like that. So I kind of had to distract Dougie um, whilst um, I think it was Don. I think I can't remember. It was Donny McFadden, but he'd got Dougie's car, his van keys, um, and put flour in the air vents of the van. And then banged like the air conditioning. So whenever Dougie got got into the van and turned the key, um, the flower went everywhere. But the thing is, he got in and thought the van was about to blow up. Uh, so I've never seen it move so fast in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but Daisy, but so when you're you're talking about the, the guys like John Petrie and, and mm-hmm. Dougie Vagin, um, it, you said it just before we started. It, it doesn't feel like four years since you retired it feels even less like how long it's been since you actually made your debut for the yeah. game um, what are your, your memories coming in as a sort of a younger younger guy into the, the dressing room with the guys like John Petrie Dolly McFadden um, Gordon Bullock I would imagine yeah. still be, well, be there as well Gordon I think he'd as I had come in I think he had just come back from a Lions tour and I think he was in the process had maybe one season and he left and went um, down south mm-hmm. um, but I mean I was a you know born and bred in Glasgow so I mean, I'd go to Hewenden. I was Hewenden uh, back then with my, with my dad and my friends and things like that. We'd go and watch the Glasgow uh, Warriors play, which was amazing. And then to actually, you know, start, you know, be part of it um, was was brilliant. But I mean, it was it was a lot of hard work uh, from even just getting signed to even getting, you know, initially get a game and then getting a full contract. Um, but I mean, the club has changed so much uh, in quite a short space of time, relatively, um, crowd wise. I mean. We sometimes get a couple of thousands, you know. Now season tickets are sold out, and it's kind of fantastic setup. Scotsland Stadium, and it's just I think the club's only going one way, bigger and bigger. And I guess the backroom landscape as well must have totally changed as well. You know, now we're sitting with a communications team alone of five people. You know, we have two analysts, two to, uh, three strength and conditioning coaches, four or five physios. You know, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. And I imagine still got shiz in the kit man uh, yeah still, still only one still kit man shiz. still only shiz never get still rid of him no never get rid of him you know that, that's it he drives the culture in this place I know I know he's a he's some <laughs> man I'll never forget when because uh, obviously his job was kit man slash masseuse and you know you'd get the Dougie, Dougie Mill special he'd, he'd be on the phone uh, while giving you a massage with, with one hand you know uh, he's a great guy I mean he's um, you know he, he brings so much not only is he, he's good at his job but he's he's great kind of fun around the the camp and sometimes things can get a bit you know so you go have a couple of bad losses or you know a couple of bad weeks or whatever training's been tough and anyway someone like Dougie can really pick everyone up he's a real character mm-hmm. was it was there a go-to person like I guess a player as well that was kind of part of that that was the, the I guess the motivator and the person that was kind of a bit more jovial always light-hearted kind of kept people just kind of laughing and smiling um try to think well obviously Al Kellett was the whilst I was there he was the main kind of captain he's been there for a while um, it was quite serious, but could have a laugh. Um, but I'm trying to think, someone was joking. I always found Josh Strauss really funny. Um, he, you know, he's just an absolute character. This big crazy beard. Um, still <laughs> speak now and then, but uh, yeah, he was he was always good fun. Always kind of, always good humor. Um, and it's quite funny. Ever it's it's amazing the kind of people that have kind of gone since I left as well. There's such a big change in squad and um I was actually at a game this year, uh, sorry um last year, sorry, um and I didn't I was like, who are all these people? It's crazy they kind of transition a squad, but it's professional sport for you, isn't it? Were you was it were you that were you excuse me, were you at that game that we had invited a bunch of the yes. ex players back? I think so it, it was, was the like, Southern Kings. 
Was it Sunday? Yeah, King? Kings at the. It was it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Kelly Brown took out the match ball. There must be about 15, 20 old ex players. I think we yeah, had the all guys in club it. Really good, actually. I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually went and then went straight to work straight afterwards. So, uh, <laughs> um, but it was good <laughs> to catch up with guys. And, um, you know, it's tough for me because obviously Friday nights is your main kind of rugby night, but Friday nights is one of my busiest nights rework for, for kind of things going out for the weekend. So, uh, I very rarely get to games, but I kind of often to. Often, if I'm going to work early, I'll kind of listen to the, the game in the, on the radio on the way, way to Glasgow. And, and do you keep in touch with a lot of ex-players? Obviously, right now, during uh, you know the state we're in during lockdown, you hear more and more people are using Zoom calls, reconnecting with people. Have you, <clears> I well, guess, previously, did you keep in touch with many people? And since lockdown has happened, are there um, more people you're now kind of getting back in touch with? Have you had yeah. group calls with ex-players nah not really well this is actually the no. first time I've ever used Zoom meeting so oh, <laughs> that's why it took me so long to kind of work out my microphone um, spoke to Fraser Brown a few times I actually spoke to Bob Harley and I spoke to Lee Jones so they're all kind of doing well but um, I don't know how easy well it's going to be tough for them obviously the time you know, keeping your condition whilst being in lockdown because you can't go to gyms and things like that so they all seem quite upbeat um, I think as well it's a good chance for people's bodies and things to recover so hopefully yeah. when the season does kind of kick off again, they can hit the ground running. Yeah. And that, did Fraser give you any indication at all how he's coping with his uh, his new wee one? Oh, well, I, I was saying it only gets worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think his wee one's been quite good. He says um, really good sleeper, uh, which is right, good. Okay. Uh, but I just said the nappies only get worse and worse. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just taking you back to your uh, sort of playing days, you mentioned that the, the club's come a, a long way since... Um, since you made your debut, obviously, talking about um, Club Centurion, key part of the um, the drive to the the title back in, in twenty fifteen. Um, just from from you probably the the journey that you, you had from debut right the way through to making your uh, your hundredth cap. I'm looking up your uh, got your stats and hundredth cap against Toulon. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not a bad not a bad team to to play against for your your landmark game. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean. I was actually, I think I was, I was initially meant to have my 100th game against Edinburgh, but it was the one where it was the most, it was crazy, it was like a tsunami had come in, um, and I've never seen so much rain in my life in a short space of time, and um, the game got cancelled, so it was meant to actually initially be against Edinburgh, I think, with Rudy Jackson, and then there was a game after that, I think, and then Gregor was like kind of, I think Gregor obviously um, had known how much it kind of meant to me, so he kind of was like, no, I'm going to make sure it's a, it's a decent big game. Um, to make your kind of hundredth game, which was re- which was really good, um, but I mean I think um, I've spent I spent a lot of time through my career being injured, which was I think I'd have hopefully I'd got quite a few more games, but it's one of these things. It's just sometimes just your luck, but I mean I can't fault the time I had. I loved every every minute of being a professional player for Glasgow. I mean, I got to play for my home club for my whole career, which is uh, something I'm very proud of. You still, you're saying you want to sort of pack a few more cards, but you actually pack a fair few, uh, fair few memorable moments into the. the yeah, game, definitely, the, the one that, definitely. Um, I think as well for me, like I think when uh, the good thing about Glasgow, and I think we had such a strong, I mean, as the club got, you know, we're getting better and better. The, the depth, strength, and depth of the squad was incredible, and even sometimes, you know, the guys who go away in international and international games, our kind of we used to refer to it as the bomb squad. Um, the bomb squad, um, you know, were good, and we'd you know sometimes win every game through that period, and I think that's a real kind of strength. It was the squad that we had. We had a really good squad. Um, I think it was about must have been about forty 
44, 45 guys we had. I think that was the size of squad when I was there. Uh, but everyone was kind of capable um, in squad rotation, things like that. And so you kind of knew whatever squad they were going to put out, you know, everyone would kind of put a shift in. And, and you were, you were, you know, you're listed as a, a flanker slash lock. What, what would you say was your preferred position? Oh, flanker, 100%. Flanker, 100%. <laughs> oh, second row. Sometimes they'd be... You've got to go into the second row, but um, game time's game time, and I would, I would have taken <laughs> happily played wherever. Um, but no, yeah. I, I much preferred being in the back row, just a bit more opportunities to get your hands in the ball and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, definitely, and a bit plus a wee bit short for the second row. Do you think? Do you think if we asked Bob Harley that question, he'd say the same thing? Oh, I think Bob- <laughs> I think Bobby, if he, at this rate, he'll be able to get to three hundred games if he plays second row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying get your hands on the, the ball a bit more. There's one moment that comes up quite often when we, we post end of video on, on social media is the, the run against Cardiff, which was about yeah. 45 metres out. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think you were you were the sort of the aspiring aspiring back rowers everywhere were looking up to you at that point going, oh, I can do that. <laughs> was there anything going through your head at that point apart from where's the trial? No, it's funny. I mean, I've, for some reason, I've, I've actually been... I, did, I didn't get any of that athleticism from my parents. Um, but I've actually was not... I was quite fast for a big guy, um, and I remember I was uh, in Cardiff and Johnny. I think it was, I think it was Johnny BT came off um, a scrum and just popped it back inside, and it was just like, you know, uh, a big gap the size of the Clyde opened up, and I just kind of thought, why not give it a bash? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was. Um, I enjoyed. Uh, funny, I had a funny record. I scored like two or three tries against Cardiff. They were always away. I had quite a good strike rate, um, which was uh, which was good, but. Uh, no, it was good. That was during the Six Nations. No, it was, sorry, it was during the World Cup. Uh, and it was we played down at the... It wasn't Arms Park. It was the football ground that they shared with um, the football team temporarily. So was it a case of going up to Gregor the week of a week of a Cardiff away game and just going... Just pointing out your record to him saying... I think so, yeah, but I think he had selective hearing. <laughs> <laughs> and so you touched down for the Warriors seven times. You, you've scored 35 points. Mm-hmm. Do you remember every single try vividly? Um, nah, I don't. I, I, I think. I can remember one against Zebra. Um, Zebra, I think. A couple against Cardiff. Um, try to think. I think that's about it. Because I, I was chatting to Pete Horn a few months ago now, and I was asking him, and he he said he could probably detail every single try he scored in mm. his professional career. And I was just blown away by that. Oh, I know. Well, I think he's you know obviously he's expected to score, whereas I think for me it was just yeah. I was lucky every time I did score. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I was actually I was actually thinking through before we did this. I was thinking, oh, one of my favourite games, and it was actually. One of them would have been when we beat Northampton at Scotston, and it was actually Pete Horn scoring the the winning try yeah. uh, under the posts, and we're all absolutely landing. You know, he's on the ground, everyone's like jumping on top of him. I think he struggled to breathe. <laughs> I'm not sure whether it was the, the people jumping on top of him or the 50 meter run. I know what a game that was. Too. What a game! Oh, brilliant! Yeah, and and you'll have played at Scotston only when it was the old school grass muddy <laughs> pitch. When oh, uh-huh. when you see the guys playing on, on I guess new you know this, this very I guess always always dry surface what 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 does that make you think as a forward especially and I guess as a guy who I guess is old school in the sense that you know you played from two thousand and four onwards kind of thing in the kind of what was mud baths and at, at Hewingdon and mud baths at Scotland yeah well sometimes we played in a beach as well I remember at Scotland sometimes when they covered it in sand <laughs> no we well we trained 
we trained on the artificial. I mean, I think when Gregor came in, he came in with a kind of fresh set of ideas, and um, we would often do kind of some stuff on the grass, some stuff at the, on the back pitches uh, at Scotston. And then just as maybe a couple of years before I retired, Cardiff had got their artificial. Um, so I get used to it, but I actually quite liked it. Um, it was a kind of weird feeling though, kind of making a tackle or, get, or getting tackled, but it's, it's, it's crazy how how um how kind of forgiving it is so so what you're saying there is with with cut well, obviously with you having a good strike rate against cardiff and then them getting the artificial pitch if scotson had the artificial pitch earlier on you would have scored more tries 100 percent and probably been a british and irish line there we go maybe there not we that. Go. <laughs> <laughs> you may not have, you may not have made it to the um to the lines too but one thing that we we did um post a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago now um you are a melrose sevens one ah, t- twice twice yeah, so yeah. um was was that always a, a part of the game you enjoyed? Obviously, not only with the, the Melrose Seven side of it, but you also um, represented Scotland at Glasgow twenty fourteen as well. It was something that I never kind of thought I would do, but it kind of came about. I think first one was back when Sean Levine was a coach, and it was like I was I think I was coming back from injury, and they kind of did a kind of big bigger kind of ball carrier or something. So they kind of I got away to Dubai. I think was my first tour, um, and I enjoyed it. And then kind of throughout the end of my career, I kind of as a squad came more competitive and things like that and I kind of got away and did a few sevens tours here and there and, and uh, I never thought I'd play the Commonwealth Games never thought I'd play Melrose but I did uh, I did enjoy it but it was uh, it was very taxing on the body it was I mean the sevens I mean I remember you know some of the sevens tournaments um, you know you're, you're going to the last day and you're thinking how am I going to run your body is so sore <laughs> just aches and pains just these back to back games but I did enjoy it Um and it was good. I mean, not many people get to say they won two Melrose Sevens uh, um, competitions. And when you went over to Dubai for for your first Sevens tournament, was there any acclimatisation at that point or was it a case of just turn up and play in the heat? It's pretty much turn up and get your boots on and give it a bash. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Just all oh, the heat. It was unbelievable. It just draining. And then even I remember um, it was one time I was actually... It was... Um, oh, how old it? Oh... Maybe I was maybe twenty eight, maybe, and I was at home on a Saturday night and had a missed call from Gregor. I thought it was like a pocket dial. It was like seven o'clock or something. I was like, it's strange. And then I got a voicemail and he's like, James, you, you need to phone me. You need to answer. You, you need to phone me, um, as soon as you get this. I was like, oh my, what's happened, right? So I phoned him back, and he's like, oh, um, he's like, oh, you're, um, I've had a phone call. Um, you, you, uh, Lee Jones and, and Mark Bennett are flying out to um, to Hong Kong tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, crazy. You don't get much um, much uh, notice, but I mean, playing in Hong Kong was unbelievable. I mean, just the bit the the kind of humidity of it. It was just oh, it was so it's tough to play. But uh, I don't, I don't think Hong Kong's made for Scotsmen, though, is it really? Oh like rugby. No. I don't think many sevens pitches were made for me. <laughs> uh, tanker running behind me but uh, no I, d- I did enjoy it I did enjoy it especially playing Commonwealth Games something again never thought and I'd never actually been to I, I'm not a, a massive football fan I'd never been to Parkhead never been to the Ibrox so getting the option to kind of uh, go to the opening ceremony in um, Parkhead and play at Ibrox was uh, was amazing You're talking about the, the, the guys you're playing with like guys like Lee Jones and, uh, and Mark Bennett um, in that first Melrose win squad, uh, you had a couple of flyers with uh, with Nico and, and Carla Niles as I well. Know, no one can touch them. Um, no, was 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 the game plan largely just get the ball in their hands and 
and let them do yeah. something? Or? Pretty much, Will. Yeah. You just know if you give the ball to Nico, I don't think he knows what he's doing half the time. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, changed, I, I mean, they're just so, I mean, Carlin's just speed was just unbelievable. Um, and just, you know, I think there was one try, like it's on the highlights, um, reload with Merrill Simmons, and you see him like zigzag out with like five people. Uh, just making everyone look stupid, um, but uh, no, he was he was. Yeah, I mean, the first year, I think, uh, not being dis- disrespectful to the other teams, but they had ga- having guys like Nico and Carlin. It was just the quality they had. You know, no one could. They were probably the two best players in the whole tournament. So, um, you know, but the, the, the other year uh, we won it. Um, was a lot harder, but it was a good kind of good team performance. And the other year you won it, there was a good mix of forwards and backs, wasn't there? I think Fraser yeah. was in that squad, Fraser Brown was in that yeah, squad. Yeah, and... Rory Hughes was in that squad. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Was maybe Fraser Lyle, maybe? I can't remember. Mm. can't remember. It was, um, it was a good mix of people. Um, I think Finn... Much more homegrown talent as well. Yes, definitely. No, it was good. Um, I don't know... Um, it was um, a tough one, though, because after we finished, I was like, oh, hopefully we get to stay for a bit, but sadly we were ushered onto the bus to get back to Glasgow. And then after your career, you went into a little bit of coaching. Is mm-hmm. that something that you're still doing with GHA? Still or? doing at the moment, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen long term with my work commitments. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've actually, it was a really good transition for me. So kind of, I got in and um, I did, the, it was a guy, Ewan Clark, who's now involved with the academy. He was the kind of head coach. I did the kind of forwards and it was just a really good kind of bunch of guys. Um, you know, we didn't pay any players or anything. But we just had guys that were just wanted to play for the club. Uh, but mm-hmm. we kind of, kind of got better and better and and um, you know there's been investment in the club we've got our own artificial now which is really good um, and Zanouf kind of I've kind of taken a bit of a backward step the, kind of the, the head coach is now a guy called Trevor Carmichael who actually I played club rugby with um, when I was 16 uh, and I played senior rugby he was uh, he was uh, one of the old boys in the club so he's the head coach and I'm kind of assistant forwards and also Callum Forrester Another former Warriors, he yeah. coaches with us as well, so it's a kind of good mix. Um, so yeah, I do enjoy it. So I hopefully get to do it as long as I can. But um, it's a really it's a good way for me to kind of stay involved with the game, but not have mm. the obviously I've not got the time kind of commitment to commit to it fully. And and right now, how, how do you commit to it? Are you going to every training session so two times a week and at games, or is it just kind of dipping in and out almost? Just dipping up and in and out. So I was kind of during the season. I was I would usually do a Tuesday night. Um, so I'd do a Tuesday night session and I'd kind of I would arrange the line outs and things like that analyse opposition see how we're going to defend line out wise and then it was really usually home games I could only make it to because with away games if they're going down to Hoyk I usually I usually finish at kind of 12 o'clock 1 o'clock on a a Saturday morning or Saturday for work uh, so it was an away trip was just too much so I tried to make it to as many games as I as I could, but it was a, uh, it was good, and sometimes when there were short numbers, I would join in training, but uh, not as fit as I used to be. So, uh, but I enjoyed it a few times. I've been tempted to put the boots back on, but I don't think, uh, don't think I'd last two minutes now on a pitch. I, I, not tempted for another blast at the the seventh. <laughs> I, I think I'd last a warm up at the best. <laughs> and you, you you said there obviously you know you, you get tempted to put the boot, boots back on and obviously Petrus Duplessis who's our player coach and our scrum coach he's 38 and played a game this season what, what does like for a man who you retired at 30 was it was that yeah right 30 um, so, so, and you're 34 now so a guy who's four years your senior is still playing like surely that to me that seems crazy but 
for you when you're sitting there, well, I'm, I'm thinking about it sometimes, maybe yes, no. When I say that Petrus is 38 and playing, what does that make you think? I think he's off his head. Nah, not at all. <laughs> uh, I think different positions as well allow you to, mm-hmm. uh, I think as well as different circumstances. I think I was, by the end, I had six or seven operations. Right, um, of course, so yeah. My sh- so my shoulders are, are even now in pieces, you know, some especially uh, in the winter, um, my shoulder grinds and clicks. And it's, it's quite quite sore, so I think if I got hurt, you know, the thing about my job as well, I kind of do a bit of everything, I go out to meet customers, you know, I'm driving a van sometimes, I'm in a fortlift, I kind of do so many different things, if I got injured it would really, really yeah. hurt my kind of work-wise, so I kind of can't really afford to kind of get banged up, so mm-hmm. um, but feel, fair play to him if he's still playing at that age Yeah, I know. bit of walking touch for you or something like oh, that Oh definitely, yeah, I think I could do that De- bit of touch <laughs> Alumni, yeah. there we go we'll make that happen and every week since lockdown has happened, I've asked all of our guests this. So I'll ask you the same question: If you could be in lockdown with one player and one player only from your playing career, who would that be and why? Well, I used to live with uh, James Johnson. He, when he was at Glasgow as a academy player, he lived with me uh, when I stayed in Shawlands, and that was back in the days with, when I used to have an Xbox and we'd play Call of Duty. We'd literally play for like three hours a night, and um, you know, like. You know, like his girlfriend would phone and stuff, and he would just patch her. And like, likewise, you'd be like, you'd be like, oh my goodness, it's like ten o'clock. We've not had dinner yet. We better have dinner. But sadly, uh, as you get older, the 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 gaming consoles get get put to the side. Yeah, I don't. I don't think much has changed. I think a lot of the guys are still right now playing a lot of PlayStation, playing oh, a lot of Call of Duty well, as well. Yeah, I, I saw a thing on uh, online with with Adam Hastings playing someone at FIFA or someone or something yeah. or something like that. So. Um, no, it was good in Call of Duty. I wasn't the best at that, but it was a lot of fun. We used to have a chat room with all the guys as well, mm-hmm. uh, which was quite funny. It's been a kind of good, uh, good transition, I said, but it's it's nice kind of dipping back in and seeing people, and it's it's good as well to see how how kind of how well the club is doing now. Um, it's it's I do miss I miss certain aspects of it, but like on the whole, that like, I was quite happy to kind of move on with the next part of my life. To be honest, and I've not really looked back, and it's quite. Um, it's good. I think. Um, I think in a few more years it'll probably be easier to come back a bit more often. Initially, when I did retire, I kind of felt. I think you need to get get away for a bit and just kind of do something. You don't want to. You don't want to kind of come to every game every week and things like that. You kind of need to get your own space. I think. Mm-hmm. So do you miss the social aspect a little bit? Oh, like, massively. Like a lot of the guys, you know, yeah. forty guys you're with day in day out. I think as well, like now, you know. You had problems as well. You know, not, not not problems. You had like you know worries. You obviously, a lot of work you were doing your game plan. You a lot of you know, uh, anal- analysis you were doing opposition things like that. Um, so it was a lot of work. But I suppose now, I when you retire from rugby, you're kind of in a wee bubble when you play rugby. And then after you retire, now you're like a completely different set of worries. You know, like you know you got a family and and then you've got like your work, your business, your you know trying to order right a bit of everything it's it's a complete different different thing altogether and it's I do miss sometimes how I, I used to think oh my life's tough but nah it wasn't really I didn't know how good I had it at the time but um, but no it's it's as I say it's been a good transition and I've not really not really been too sad about moving on mm-hmm. Grant Stewart our hooker he, he joined uh, I guess he started professional rugby late and had been an apprentice beforehand mm-hmm. one of the questions he was asked by a journalist was uh you know what's the difference between working full time and being a full time rugby player? And he said, "I have more free time." Hundred percent. I remember like you'd get home at three o'clock in the afternoon, and you know, 
you're, don't get me wrong, you work hard and you, you've been early and things, but you get so much more free time. Whereas, like I said, when I'm sure that yourselves, like, you know, it's not a five day week, sometimes you're doing six, six days, and mm-hmm. it's a different kind of, a different, whole different kind of lifestyle, isn't it? Um, yeah, totally different routine, isn't it? I know. As well, I've got so much respect as well. See, for guys like, like Grant that have maybe not made it initially, and, you know, they're doing a trade or still working, and then they're doing a the club rugby, doing weights twice a week. It's that, like, do you know, you don't get a free night off really after you've done a full shift. Even like John Welsh, he was an electrician. Um, yeah. I remember Welsh, Welsh, he was telling me that uh, just sometimes he'd drive like an hour and a half, two hours to a job in the morning and then obviously on the way back, you know, and he would like arrive at uh, White Craig's like, like half six, seven, then straight out. And, you know, it's it's crazy, crazy how they, they can do it. Yeah. Great, right. Well, no thank you very much for joining me, Craig, and thank you very much, James, for joining me as well. James, is there anything you'd like Pleasure. to plug? Anything you'd like to talk about? Family business name, maybe? Oh, yeah, well, WA Eddie Limited, uh, supply hotels and restaurants, takeaways, um, ping me a, you can always ping me an email if you ever want a quote for anything like that. So uh, this is for actual businesses. Yeah, uh, and, and if someone was, uh, do you have an example of a chipper? If someone was going to go, you know what, I might go and try some of uh, the fish that you 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 uh, you provide. Is yeah, well, or somebody that... I, my biggest account in Glasgow is a company called Catch Fish and Chip Shop. So they've got three units. They've got one in Gibson Street, one in Giffnock, and one in Nether Lee. So the one in Giffnock still open. So uh, the one in Giffnock, you can get fish from kind of Friday, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think it is. Um, but no, definitely you you'll only, you'll get a good fish supper there. Oh, don't forget Al Kelly's place, Finsbury as well. He would never speak to me again. <laughs> so, uh, so you're a supplier to Finsbury are you I, I supply Finsbury as well so yeah um, so yeah I think they've, they've been quite busy with their, their pizza side of the business and doing deliveries mm-hmm. Warriors Weekly Glasgow Warriors official podcast